on this episode of Monster X Radio. You, you could have sworn you'd look up and it would have been standing right there. I did not see anything because it was dark, but I knew I was looking right at it. I've never seen her so freaked out like that. I mean, she, I gave her a big hug and she was physically shaking still. Bigfoot, Skunk Ape, Grassman, Sasquatch, just a few of the names given to the primate-like creature said to roam the woods and remote areas of North America. Tales of this elusive being go back for hundreds of years. Is it mere myth and legend? Or is there truly something more tangible to this phenomenon? Join us on this journey as we discuss the science behind the encounters, the research, and the evidence, keeping you updated on the latest findings, ideas, and hypothesis. Arrogance gets us nowhere, and closing one's eyes doesn't make things disappear, nor less real. Today's myth could be tomorrow's reality. It's time to make this subject matter less taboo. Welcome to Monster X Radio. Bigfoot without the BS. Welcome to Monster X Radio. This is part two of a two-part series where I'm rejoined by my guests, Chris Spencer, Todd Hale, and Rebecca Ann Slick of the Olympic Project. We continue our discussion on some recent events and experiences that we had in southwestern Washington while out in the field. Be sure to check out part one in the Monster X archives. You, Rebecca, I know that it was pretty much your first time cowboy camping and you're hearing this large thing move around the woods. That's not all that happened. You actually saw something after I had fallen asleep. I was probably snoring and you woke me up. You told me that you saw something and it walked from point A to point B. And I remember that night I wasn't doubting you, but I was so tired and I didn't see it and moved off. And it was just because I wanted to go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought you you very likely did see what you, you saw. And I was just like, man, I just want to go to sleep. And I got, I got your fear factor. I mean, this thing's around us. I got all that. But explain that to explain what you were hearing. Talk about what you saw. You're not claiming it was a Sasquatch, but you saw something. No. Yeah, it's well, right before, right before that, too, we had had a pretty good percussive directly outside of camp. I mean, it was. You, you you could have sworn you'd look up and it would have been standing right there. It was so loud. It woke Dave up. And uh, I mean, he eventually fell back to sleep, but I, I have it in my notes when that happened. I think it was about an hour before we, about an hour before we uh, had the visitor 
through camp for lack of a better term. I don't know what to say. I mean, you, you fell asleep. I felt bad. I'd been yakking your ear off just from the nerves of everything and just joking about the guys snoring in unison and, you know, anything, anything just to, I wanted to fall asleep, but I was just wired. Yeah. And I said something at some point and then I realized, oh, he's sleeping, you know? And so then I felt bad, but I could hear, you could tell you were sleeping. You could, you know, when people's breathing changes. So I'm like, okay, everybody's snoring and sleeping. And I didn't even move, but I just thought, cause I was already comfortable. Like, oh, I'm just going to, I need to just go to sleep. I need to just chill out and go to sleep. And I was laying kind of looking at the two o'clock position out of my sleeping bag. Um, so I had this kind of narrow field of view, but I could see the trees in front of me. And there's just enough, just enough light where you could see the outline of the trees, but that's about it. You could tell the trees were there. That was it. And something started moving just outside of camp, not far away from my recorder, actually, which was kind of threw me off. And it sounded just like footsteps. There was this light swishing through that tall grass that we were in that overgrown opening. And as I'm looking in that direction of where I'm hearing this come through, all that I did see through my narrow field of view was that the trees disappeared. That is all I saw is that that area went dark. And then I didn't even stay staring at that area because my mind thought follow its path. And so I'm trying to crane my eyes up and look out and over my sleeping bag without moving. And I knew where it was. You could hear about that time. My heartbeat, I've, <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. I'm sorry. It's my heartbeat went so fast, so quickly that the blood pressure in my ears and everything, I don't even know if I could hear anymore at that it was point. Pounding. It was, it, yeah, pounding. It, it was terrifying. It was pounding so hard that one of the few thoughts I was having that moment was I thought I'm going to die of a heart attack in the woods in my thirties. <laughs> I'm like, this is nuts. I I'm following the path of the direction it was moving. And I'm looking straight up at one point and I did not see anything because it was dark, but I knew I was looking right at it. I don't know how else to explain it. There was a whoosh of air went past my head. Like when you're sitting in a restaurant or something and somebody rushes by you and you feel that air as somebody rushes past you, it was, it wasn't wind and it hit on that side. And it was a lot of air <laughs> and it just, I'm sorry. I just, I still, I don't know how to fully explain that feeling and what was happening in that moment, just because of how quickly it happened and just trying to just trying to make sense of it in that moment, what's going on. I didn't even think to wake anybody up as it was happening. Cause I was so terrified. I had my gun strapped to my chest so that I could just, grab it if I needed to. I had my flashlight in my other hand. I, I did not think to use either. I had clear to one side. I had everything laid out, bear spray, everything. I knew where everything was. Did not think to do anything with any of those. It just happened so fast. And all I could do was lay still. And I was kicking myself later that I did not do 
what I have planned to do in a situation like that, which is to grab the flare calmly and film it. That did not even cross my mind, but I did wake you up as soon as possible because for one moment there, I was afraid it was still standing behind our heads at that ridiculously large tree that I had joked about. Something could stand right there and grab us. Right. <laughs> so, But I did hear, I did hear the ferns behind us. And so I, I think I was like, all right, it's back in the woods. And yeah, I feel back as my, my recording. It's chain, chain. <laughs> I was out. I was out. Yeah, yeah, it took three or four times before you woke up, and then I'm. <laughs> I was out. I mean, that guy, that sucker, could have picked me up if it was a Sasquatch. They could pick me up, and I would have been ten miles away before I woke up. So, uh, good thing you woke me up. <laughs> but, oh, and it got closer to you than me too, because yeah. you, you would talk me into not being so far away from everybody else in the camp and oh, getting I, closer I, to yeah, you I in the said, tent. Get, get closer. You got your gun on you. Get closer. You know, yeah. and stay right here. And I said, if anything happens, wake me up. That's exactly, you know, because I knew that I was, I was fighting to stay awake and I really wanted to. What's interesting though, I, I know this kind of affected you, Rebecca, but what's interesting though, and I want to get into something that happened earlier in that night with, in regards to uh, some au- other audio that was recorded, but Todd Hale, actually, this is really funny. So you saw what you saw. Todd Hale had an experience about around seven in the morning and we you got to understand, we're up all night long. Everybody's tired, so we kind of slept in. That's not our usual MO. We'll get up early, like 6, 5, 4, whatever. We all were kind of sleeping in. Some of us were kind of awake. I was definitely asleep. But, Todd, talk about uh, what happened around, I think it was about 7 in the morning. I didn't know we were going to talk about this. Okay. Oh, yeah. I started waking up about 6.30 because I was ready to get out of there. I just wanted to load up and get back to camp and uh, regroup, so to speak. So, I a few times I... I just unzipped the door of the tent and would just look out and you guys were still sleeping. I kind of scanned the area and everyone's still asleep. Zachary, Jonathan, everyone's asleep except myself. So I kind of laid back down. I was just waiting for, uh, to hear any kind of movement for someone to get up. It was overcast. It was raining a bit. So I was just laying there looking at the tent about, I think it was actually seven seven oh one because I looked at my phone, just seeing like, hey, let's go. We're going to get up. So I, uh, <laughs> I saw something. I saw a shadow move from right to left across our tent at my feet, which would have been in the middle of the camp area. So I thought it was Shane. So I'm like, okay, Shane's up. Now, I'm going to sit up and get up. So I sat up, unzipped the tent, and I started I was like, uh, started to say, Shane, Shane, nothing. I'm like, Shane, and there's nothing. And, and you finally, you actually were asleep and under that tarp and woke up and you're like, what? I'm like, did you just walk by the tent? You're like, no. I said, great. I zipped the tent back up and laid back down. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what I saw, what it was. It wasn't massive. It wasn't huge. It looked to be about six, six and a half feet tall, not too thick. It was, it looked like your type of shadow. That's why I thought it was you. I'm like, oh, okay, Shane's up. Pretty good looking so shadow. Pretty and good looking shadow. For everyone listening out there, 
you say, well, why didn't you get out of the tent and chase after this thing? That was the last thing on my mind. I said, oh, great. What was that? I, and I wasn't even really thinking of Squatch. I was just kind of weirded out. And I just laid back down and was just staring at the ceiling of the tent and waiting for someone to get up. I was like, this is crazy. What the hell was that? <laughs> well, and the point, and I can guarantee this: when you you uh, asked me if I was up, you know, going to the, I think you out peeing, going to the bathroom, or, or walking by the tent, I was not. And I looked around the camp, and everybody was out. Pretty much everybody's out. And I think even Rebecca was sleeping at that point. Uh, I know t- uh, David Hallett was, and I knew that everybody else was in the tent. You, Jonathan, and your son Zachary. So uh, whatever you saw was not one of us. So I, I don't know what you saw. So. There's so much to this story, and uh, I'm trying to keep this, you know, kind of concise and tight. I know we can go into more of Rebecca's experience, Todd, myself, but uh, let's backtrack a little bit. Something that I um, I skipped on purpose, but it's so pertinent to that night. And then we're going to delve into some of our, our um, future endeavors that we've done out there with, you know, Chris Spencer being out there and, and Rebecca and myself. But that same night. The 28th, that same night, the 28th of the tree fall night, Kirk Brandenburg and Kit Morrow are actually hiking or walking a logging road a short distance away, but they're walking a logging road and they're out there recording audio and flaring and all that good stuff. They had gotten in contact with us because they were going to hike up to meet us at our camp. David Hallett was in contact with them on a radio and, uh, he was asking me, should they come up the trail? And I, and I said, no. I actually got a little bit perturbed. I, David and I got in a little bit of an argument night. It's kind of a funny story because we got an argument about them coming up and not coming up. And I just said, no, I don't want them coming up. If we have stuff going on here. I do not want anybody to uh, mess with this. Whatever's going on out there, Sasquatch or not, I don't want to throw anything for a loop. Let's keep it. Whatever's doing what it's doing, it's, it's there because of us. Let's not bring an outside party in. And so... Kip Morrill and, and Kirk Brandenburg decided to keep going along this uh, logging road. And they recorded something very profound, in my opinion. Sounds like some sort of singing. So I'm going to go ahead and play this clip that they recorded, I think around the 2 a.m. In, in the morning hour. So let's go ahead and play this clip. Chris, 
that's the same night. What are your thoughts about that recording? Well, it, what's interesting is Kirk recorded it. I would guess from where he was at, it was probably half mile, three quarters of a mile once again from where you guys were at. But Rebecca had, because I reviewed the audio, and Rebecca had made a call that she does a lot. It's kind of a, it's a girly call. Um, <laughs> and she'd made a call about 145. And I think it was about 10 minutes after she made her it's kind, of, kind of a sing-songy call that she does. This occurs and it sounds like singing. And it's very similar to some stuff that you and Todd recorded in the new Nesta area in March of last year. Very similar. It, it the when I first heard it because I came up the next day and Kirk actually played it for me in camp. My first thought was that's almost identical to some of the stuff that Shane and Todd had already recorded up in the New Nest area. Totally different area. So that kind of excited me because I that's a obviously a species specific type of call or vocalization. And then I know we'll get into it. I, several months later, I actually recorded it when we went out. It was much further away, but it's definitely the same individual. And for whatever reason, and I've talked with Kirk about it too, for whatever reason, this particular individual makes these kind of sing-songy vocalizations. Yeah, I was I was flabbergasted. You know, the next morning we wake up, we gather ourselves and we head back to to the main base camp and meet up with Kirk and the gang, Ray and Kip and and the others. And Kirk played that sound. He had it loaded up on his computer. I think in Audacity or or some format like that. And I had never heard. I did, we did not hear that that night. But he recorded very close. Also, Kirk said that vocalization came from near our trucks where we were parked. If you recall. Yeah. No. Great point. Yes. I mean, so like Chris said, relatively speaking, it's a stone throw. It's the same. I mean. I've, I've no doubt in my mind it's the same subjects that we're messing with our camp. But I was I was really happy there was an outside party that did not hear what was going on in, in and around our camp, but yet recorded something, heard it in person. Because if you listen to that recording at the end, I think you hear Kip go, uh, that was not an L. That's <laughs> that's right. It's it's pretty impressive. It's very <laughs> impressive, and it's just got this octave and, and, and harmonics to it. it. It sounds like singing. And as mm. Chris said, yeah, we've recorded this in a couple of different areas. Chris, obviously, yeah. in the same area, and Todd, you and I, out towards the new Nessa. I mean, so this is repeated mm. build, and this is definitely uh, not something we're familiar with as far as a known animal, and definitely, in my opinion, not a human. And um, Ellis has reviewed audio like this from Donna's house. Yes, um, I'm glad you brought that up, Todd. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. In fact, it's very similar to some of the stuff that Don's got on her property. I mean, eerily similar. And now we got this basically the kind of same thing recorded in what three, four different areas. There's a lot to be said about that. So now this has become this sort of recording, this sort of vocal, it's become one of my favorites. Uh, and I hope that we can keep capturing that. Yeah. So. Kip and Kirk posted this in various Facebook groups, and I saw a lot of comments commenting. It sounded like human. It sounded like elk. It sounded like uh, coyotes or wolves. Well, they're they're obviously not using Sonic Visualizer, and I was hoping Chris could explain the difference between these 
these frequencies on Sonic Visualizer. Well, yeah, they're hertz wise, they're running where we're that sweet spot where we look for for the quote unquote target subjects. But um, I mean, just just listening it, the animal has way more lung power than a human. I mean, it, I just. I mean, uh, of course, I've listened to it with Audacity. And uh, if you're going to review audio, Audacity, listening-wise and visually-wise, is probably the best way to go. But visually, it doesn't look like any human that I've ever recorded either. And the, just the length of some of the harmonics, at one point, it, it's like it starts uh, really high. There's a high harmonic, and then it goes right into a low one. It almost sounds like two animals, but I'm pretty sure it's just one animal. It's just odd. But let, let's switch gears. Let's switch gears here. You know, we're out there for, you know, quite a few days. Uh, obviously, some of us longer than others. Kip and Kirk were out there for, you know, over a week or about a week. Uh, and Ray Hughes and, and others, others. We um, kind of wrapped things up. I know that eventually Cliff Berrickman came out there to hang out for a few days. I wasn't there. I left. I think Todd hung around a day or two more. Chris, did you, I forget, did you make it out there before uh, the gang left? I just came up for the afternoon just to say hi to Bart. And I, I remember I went fishing in the morning and I got to the main camp around 11 a.m. or so. At that, Todd was bouncing off the bumper of the cars. He was so excited about what happened. He was talking about what happened. And then Rebecca, she was still shaking. She was I've never seen her so freaked out like that. I mean, she I gave her a big hug and she was physically shaking still. So everything that happened, I I was like, great. Every time I don't show up, something happens. And some obviously big happened because Todd is freaking like on crack going off and Rebecca is freaking out. So yeah, I missed out. But I did catch <laughs> some one pound bluegill. You did. You did. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm going to have to have, there's, there's so much more to that night is, and, and I'm going to have to have Rebecca back on and probably Todd just to talk about that night. Cause it, it was a tremendous evening, but Chris, you got, you got wind of what happened and you got to visually look at the recordings and audio. You found some cool stuff that no one else had heard. And we made plans to go back out there. Yeah. So just because of work-wise and stuff, I couldn't get back out there. I wanted to get a long-term recorder out there. And one of my long-term units, you know, you get anywhere this time of year, I, anywhere 20 days, 15 to 20 nights, I should say. Anyway, so it was, uh, wasn't until like October 3rd, we got up there again to camp. I don't think, I think Todd came, but I don't think you came, Shane. It was me, Todd, Rebecca, Jonathan Brown, and Nathaniel Bronis had come, come out from Idaho. and we set up a long-term and what's funny they camped this once again i had i left i was there for the day they camped out and um the long term i set up i reviewed later they had a good vocal in the morning and they weren't camped at the same camp you had the tree fall at they were at a camp you guys originally started in and there was a good vocal that came in close about five in the morning to that camp nathaniel heard it personally heard it i would describe him as whoop like they weren't like full-on whoops but they were whoop-like and they were definitely not out um but that was from october 3rd so fast forward we left that out there and just because of life you know holidays and 
work and stuff, me and you and Rebecca didn't get back up there. We wanted to go get that long-term unit. I knew the batteries were dead. Right. And it was December 5th that we finally were able to go get it. And uh, we got, we were kind of late getting up there. I mean, literally it was going dark on us while we were setting up camp. Um, at that point in time, December 5th, it was 4.45 and it was going dark. It was dark at five o'clock. But we got camp set up and I had put, I, I was using my DRO5 task cams that I like to use when I camp out. They're they're great for overnight recording for a couple nights. So I positioned one to the, the south of us. I positioned one to the northeast of us and one to the northwest of us. The one northwest of us was very close to us. It was probably 30 yards maybe from where we were at. Anyways, we, we built up a fire and, and um, just we're visiting around the fire for the evening. You know, like I, I think I, I cooked up a stew or something and, and we're eating dinner. Um, something occurred. There was a vocalization at 511 after dark that we did not hear. None of us heard, but my recorders picked up and we'll play that in a minute. Um, at 711, while we're just sitting around the fire, uh, just talking, something got really, really close to us and uh, broke a huge branch. And it sounds like a percussive, like it hit a tree and broke a branch. And then kaboom, and it was right by my my recorder. It wasn't a tree fall, but it was the same MO. It was a huge noise, and it was really close to us. And if you listen to the recording, we all go quiet. But then we kind of look at each other like, okay, keep talking, keep talking. And we played it off. Later that night, I went to bed first. As everyone knows, I can't go to sleep unless everybody else is still awake when I go to sleep because it after my experience in 2013, I hate sleeping in a tent. I still, to this day, am uncomfortable sleeping in a tent. And the only way I can fall asleep is if I hear the fire going and hear other people talking. So I hit the sack about an hour and a half before you and Rebecca. And I was out completely exhausted. And I was awoken around 3.30 or so to a death grip on my leg from Rebecca. And I'm... <laughs> And I'm like, what? And I started, I was, you know, I was just waking up and I was making noise. And and she's like, shh, there's something out there. And I'm like, okay, let go of my leg. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and that's where you guys had heard some stuff. And my my recorders picked up some interesting percussives. Yeah, but, yeah. It was interesting because you were uh, very tired. You mentioned you want to go to bed early. Um, I was pretty wired. I was pretty jazzed to be out there. Uh, and I wanted to stay up. I, I, I'm not the guy that usually stays up like two or three in the morning. I think it's counterproductive, but I like to stay up, you know, 11, 12, maybe. And Rebecca was definitely up to stay up. So we stayed up for quite a while. And we, we heard a few things, but it was the early morning hours when we were in our tents and I'm laying there and I heard stuff. And then Rebecca heard the same thing. And we were very fortunate to have it recorded. Um, some of these um, percussive sounds obviously are um, ambiguous. Obviously, you know, we're not going to say Sasquatch made any of these noises but given the context given these this area and what we experienced um i mean even chris i mean you did find a rather interesting impression in this area and, and you know we're not saying it's a sasquatch but just to paint a picture this area has a huge amount of way before any of us came along a huge amount of history of sasquatch reports sightings all of the above even from loggers to average joes and we're camping in this area 
we're really focused on the audio aspect to this. And it's one of those areas where it doesn't happen all the time. We've had many, many nights out in this area where nothing's happened. But when stuff happens, it's pretty uh, it's pretty compelling. And uh, so we're going to play some audio here that much of this we did not hear in person and some of what we did. I think what what's really impressive to me is the vocalization at 511 that we're about to play is the same vocalization that Kirk recorded in August. So this is December and it's quite a bit further from us. I had to amp it quite a bit. And actually in the looped clip, we were breaking firewood at the time and I had to remove, I filtered out as best I could a branch break in the middle of the vocalization, but you should be able to hear it, but it's the same high, low sing song vocalization. I'm, I bet money it's the same individual that was calling in August. And what's profound about that is people want to say that vocal in August was a human being. Well, if it is a human being in August, how did they know to come out and do the same vocalization when we show up in December? You know, that's pretty profound to me. Let's go ahead and play this. This And this is looped. Again, most of this audio you guys are hearing tonight, these are looped clips. So they're looped over and over again so that you can really appreciate what was recorded rather than listening to it one time and going, Oh, can I hear that again? So here we go. We'll play this looped vocal. All right, so we just played that. And once again, you can hear it. it, I love the word sing song. (laughs) I think that's a perfect way of putting this particular vocal. And once again, it's been recorded not just once in this southwestern Washington area, but also in other areas. Very, very eerily similar. Chris, uh, obviously you did amp it up a bit to hear it, but it's there. It's there. I mean, there's no getting around that. Yeah, and and. By getting that vocal, then the percussives that we heard later, it adds credence that those are probably the target subject. And, and that's the thing, the, the MO of this particular individual got very close to you guys in August and was making some loud percussives in August with breaking trees and stuff. Well, here he does, here he or she does pretty much the same thing to us in December. And uh, the, the track, the ambiguous track I found, I don't know. Some could argue that it's a it's a human track, but it's just odd that it's right by my recorder where we heard this large, powerful break percussive right by our camp. Exactly, and that's that's an honest answer. I mean, it's uh, it is you know it's kind of an it's definitely a track. It's definitely uh, well, in my opinion, human or not, it is odd as to the location and uh, the timing and everything else. So. We just leave it at that. We cast and record and document, bam, just like everything else. Now, let's go ahead and play, as you alluded to earlier, Chris, the large branch break. Let's jump into that and play that real quick.
I know. Uh, so we were actually, you know, obviously up around the campfire. I think we're eating and we heard that and it all made us kind of jump a bit. But and, and, and Manny would say, oh, you're just hearing a tree branch falling from a tree and we can't rule that out. But there was a lot to that. And I, I my personal feeling was that it was not just a tree branch falling from a tree. What, what are your thoughts, Chris? There's a definite percussive made by force within it. So it's, it broke a branch, but it also hit something with a lot of power. And the, you hear it's, I don't know if the, the podcast is going to pick it up, but when you listen to it, you can feel the force of the percussive. I mean, we could feel it and hear it ourselves. It was done. Like I said it to Nathaniel and his response to me was that was done with a lot of force. Once again, no wind, perfect night, and this happens. And it sounded like it happened with force, uh, with intention. Uh, so we included that in this. I, I wanted to include that because I thought it was important uh, as to some of the, the ongoing stuff that happens in this area that continuously seems to happen, whether it's something being thrown or percussive sounds. And that's another uh, neat one. So something woke us up, and I'll have Rebecca jump in here in a minute. And I think Chris nailed this because he found this uh, really loud power strike percussive. Given the time, like the early morning hours, like 2, two something more, 2.50 something in the morning. And I'm pretty sure we were, that's what woke us up before we heard basically the last audio piece I'm going to play, what we call the tapper. Though you may have been already awake, but let's play that. <laughs> So yeah, that's early morning hours. It's definitely a very, it's a power strike. It's a, a very heavy percussive sound. I believe that could have been what woke me up because I know I had heard some other things that didn't get picked up on the recorder because they they were closer to us than they were the recorders. But that was probably after this because I would have remembered this because I remember the other one you're going to play. Yeah, that was... I woke up and I didn't know why I was awake, but I woke up so quickly. I sat up now, mind you, this is the first time I had been camping again since the experience that we had where something walked through camp. So I was, uh, <laughs> I was a, a little, little on edge, a little on edge. Yeah, yeah. No. And I'll say, I'm not afraid to say I'm afraid sometimes in the woods. Cause I just, I, I mean, there's, there's being afraid and not living. And then there's having a healthy, fear of things and i don't know where i'm landing in there but no that you know at yeah. the end of the day no you know and I, this is why i'm so i love when todd talks honestly he always talks honestly but i love it when he he expresses his true feelings like hey i was scared there's no shame in that there is a respect factor mm. if, if you don't have a healthy respect and there is a little bit of fear in that respect of the woods then you have no business being in the woods so i don't ever feel ashamed of that I, and I'd be I'd be lying if I told you I've never been afraid of the woods. I mean, what happened to Todd and I back in uh, you know last year, the uh, tail in February when we walked in on something? Yeah, I, I my heart got beaten because I didn't know what we were dealing with. So respect and fear go hand in hand. Uh, so, anyways, um, I'm going to go and play what we call the tapper because we heard this in person. You heard it, mm -hmm. I heard it, and I was like, 
Oh, wow. And I did jump out of my tent and start flaring again. You know, I got to figure out a way to be a little more stealthy, I guess, because I get excited. <laughs> I get excited. I'm like, unzip, zip, you know, and jump out. And this doesn't happen all the time. So I don't care who you are. You do get caught off guard. Let's go ahead and play what we call the tapper. So I remember after waking up probably to that percussive sound that Chris found, I remember sitting there for a while and then hearing that. And then I remember whispering over to you guys, did you hear that? And But I heard it. I'm like, what is tapping on a tree? Like, bam, <laughs> bam. It sounded like a rock on a tree or something to, of that nature. Obviously, I didn't see it. I'm just going off what I, I think I heard. We're talking, you know, early morning hours and this goes on and it's dead silent out there, dead quiet. And it was so crystal clear and close. When you heard that, Rebecca, uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, a few months from the tree, the tree fell coming down and everything else. What were you thinking? That's what I actually thought it was. There's no way to explain how loud it actually was. I, I mean, we were talking about this later. It sounded, it sounded like something was throwing rocks up into the tree is what it sounded like in that moment when it first started happening my thought was that it was another tree being pushed down and as loud as it was I thought it was coming right into camp I thought oh great we're (laughs) it's it's upping you know it's tactics here and it's just gonna squish us get us out of here because we came back (laughs) but but no it was it was so loud and so close that yeah that was what was running through my mind then but I was so glad that you were awake because I didn't want to be the only one that was was hearing it but no, yeah, that being that far out, I mean, it was months afterwards, but like I said, first time I had chance to camp since that experience. And yeah, I was a little unnerved and then that happens. And I, I was just actually mad more than anything. Cause I, one, just wanted to sleep Two, I didn't want to get messed with there unless we were going to get some flare footage. You know, I was, I was just mad. And when I had woken up with, I'm guessing the uh, percussive, that was I woke, <laughs> I woke up and I had been having a dream or something that it had come into camp again, but had taken our food. And for some reason, I woke up so mad that it was taking our food. <laughs> it was... Chris, you got uh, anything to say? I, I can attest to the fact that Rebecca was mad when she woke me up. <laughs> she, she wasn't scared. She was just mad. And she was <laughs> mad at me, too, because I was, what, what, what's going on? I, and then I had to pee. And she wouldn't let me get out of the tent. And I had to be really, really, really bad. And finally, I was just, I'm getting out of the tent. And I got out of the tent. But this is after the tapper. I was just going to say, I think you did exactly what it was looking for. It came through and it was tapping on those trees to get a reaction. And uh, see, it might if you'd stayed in your tent, it might have got closer, Shane. No, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right, Chris. And that's it's one of those catch-22s. I do actually have a tent with a a hole cut out. I could put the flare, but I have one hole cut out in the tent. I don't want to cut four <laughs> holes, you know, where yeah. I have, you know, uh, oh, a hole here, a hole here, but depending where the noise comes from and what I'm hearing. You need a turret system. <laughs> well, 
and I had slept, you know, with the fly off. I've slept with the, the, the tent unzipped. But then, you know, you go, you can go months and forever not having anything happen. We just happen to land ourselves in a great area, I think, in the right time of year for whatever reason. And we do have plans to go back out to this area. We have been back out to this area, not had anything happen, but placing, you know, trail cameras and audio units. But down the road here, it's definitely always going to be an area of focus. And so I'm going to wrap this show up here. But before I'm done, I'll start with each one of you. Todd, I'll start with you. What do you think, you know, just your honest impressions, uh, what do you think is going on in this area? And what do you want to do down the road in this area? <laughs> Obviously, there's uh, some type of family unit or clan, whatever you want to call it, living there. They're back, right? I would love to go down there all the time, but we're so busy with the nest area. You're, I'm kind of torn. What do I want to do with that area? Hmm. I'd spend as much time as possible down there. and actually invest in some equipment to set up in that camp like we've talked about in the past but right now all my stuff is up in the new nest area so right. i only have so much so much funds you know i'm not sponsored by anybody <laughs> <laughs> sponsored by todd hale yeah Wait, that's me <laughs> this stuff's expensive <laughs> yeah obviously they're there they were there from at least august through december that we know some people were hypothesizing that they they kind of make their rounds around that area and there's a cycle going on because I have been there when nothing happened. I went there four times this year. So two trips, things happened and two trips, nothing happened. It was dead quiet. So they obviously weren't there. I don't know. This, <laughs> this whole thing gets very frustrating sometimes. <laughs> Uh, well, I was going to say, you never know if they're not there. It's just maybe they didn't make themselves known because, I mean, I, yeah, you, you got to bring out, you got to, you got to bring out the, I don't think the last couple of times we've been out, you've done your Todd Hill special, as I'm going to call it. <laughs> the Todd Hill special. That's, that's, that's I have, I, I have two of them. There's the Samurai and the Iron Maiden. <laughs> Todd right. is our secret. Todd is our secret weapon. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. like it's like it's like cowbell. Gotta have more Todd Hale. Yes. Gotta have more cowbell. <laughs> All right. these things drive me nuts. Yeah. Well, you keep coming back for more. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey Rebecca. So what would uh, I'm gonna finish up with Chris. So I'll get to you, Rebecca. Your your thoughts of the area, what we experienced in in future endeavors. Well, as far as why they're in the area, I don't know what exactly is drawing them there. I will say it's a perfect area for there's an abundance of food and there's abundant food sources outside of that area that wouldn't be too hard for them to get to. And lots of clear access for modes of travel, a lot of nearby power lines. And this could be a hot spot for them to travel in a lot of different directions and then go back there and not be bothered as much by humans. Some of the terrain in that area is, I thought was kind of similar to the nest site. I'll just say that some of some of the steep terrain, and we have yet to uh, explore those areas. But I, I actually think it would be neat looking at the the maps. I, I think it would be neat to go back in there and see if there's something to that, or whether I'm just connecting dots that don't connect. <laughs> but yeah, I, I definitely want to get up there as much as possible. I actually is, I know I said it was a creepy area. But it's also a beautiful area. There's such an abundance of wildlife and plants. Some of the plants that I don't even see living in, we're in a lower elevation here, um, seeing there. And it's just hiking around in there was beautiful. It was, I'd really like to get 
in there a lot more this year. No, thanks for the input. And, and Chris, I mean, this really is, you know, relatively speaking, we're, you know, it's a distance away, but between the areas that you work and Rebecca work, this is kind of like your backyard. You know, like Todd and I were talking, or Todd was talking about a minute ago, the nest area that we work in, you're a huge part of that, uh, but it's a little bit closer to our backyard. Whereas this area that we work in with you as well is a little bit closer to your backyard. But once again, same question. So I, I just happened to be uh, talking with Nathaniel Bronis the other day. And this really, the only reason I know about this area is because of him and Kirk. It's kind of their baby. But Nathaniel, um, and I plan on helping him, it plans on saturating the area with some long-term audio in the very near future. He's going to have multiple units. I'm going to probably have at least two units out there. You know, it, it all works off of a lot of the models that Nathaniel's come up with, looking at sighting reports, looking at food sources, looking at specific terrain, specific water sources. He's got a, a model, and so far, his models have worked. I've gone out with him in other areas that he's pinpointed as being a likely spot to have uh, suspect activity. And guess what? There was suspect activity when I went there. So yeah, I definitely will be in the future working with Nathaniel and Kirk. I know Kirk plans on doing uh, hip Kirk is a member of the BFRO. And he, I think he has a expedition coming up sometime this year in that area. So it is an area of high interest that I will definitely be helping out with studying in the future. I'll tell you what, I had the utmost respect for Kirk Brandenburg, and, and uh, he's a guy who's been doing this for a long time, but just has the greatest insight, the greatest thought process, and an absolute pleasure to be in the field with and work with. So, guys, stay. I want to thank you all for jumping on here and, and uh, sharing um, some stories, some encounters, uh, some experiences from the southwestern area. Obviously, we're not being very specific because it's an ongoing investigation, an area that we kind of hold dearly, and we have a close-knit community of researchers and investigators that are conducting research and investigations in this area. So we can't really give up uh, the area per se, but we honestly, tonight, we kind of scratched the surface with this show because there's so much, so much to share. You know what? Maybe down the road, I'll get these guys back on here to talk and discuss more about our uh, experience in this area. And I guarantee this, this isn't the end all be all as this story. This is an ongoing investigation and I'm looking forward to what may occur in this area and what we may capture. And I guarantee uh, I'll have my partners right here, Rebecca Slick, Chris Spencer, and Todd Hill out with me, amongst others. So thanks for joining in and listening to this episode of Monstrix Radio. Until next time.
thank you for joining Monster X Radio 